Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. We know that we've been purified by the blood of Christ once and for all, but there's a daily walk that we have. And that daily walk is sanctification, and that takes time. And in that time, there are difficulties. And God makes, sees to it that our faith is shown, it's put on display, it's, it's proved. Not so that he can know it. God knows all things. He knows your heart. But I need to know, Lord, where do I really stand? And I really don't know where I stand until I'm put through a trial. Today on Truth in Christ, James tells us to count our trials as joy. As Christians, we know God is doing a work in us daily so that he is able to separate us from the world. This work of his starts when we first accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. In our message today, Pastor Rob reminds us in the first chapter of the book of James that this sanctification involves trials and tribulations that God allows into our lives so that he can refine us to his liking. That's why James tells us to count it all joy when trials appear because it strengthens our faith and draws us closer to our God. Here's Pastor Rob with today's teaching. And so we see very clearly in Scripture that Jesus had brothers and he had sisters, and and that really takes that doctrine completely out of the way. So we know, we have pretty good confidence that James is who he says he was. And why does that make a difference? For this reason, when my brother and I were growing up, my brother Rich, as we grew up together, he could tell you my life. And if I had the gall, the chutzpah, to say, I'm the son of God. I'm God in the flesh. My brother would be able to look at me and go, no, you're really not. And here's why. You set a pine forest on fire, so you're a sinner. And he would go through and he would itemize all these things that I've done wrong. Because Jesus was pure. He was without sin. Tempted in every way as we are, but without sin. My brother would be able to tell me whether that was true or not. So what credence, what, what truth does it hold when you have somebody like James and, and Jude who grew up with Jesus? They would be the first ones to say, and in fact, all the time that Jesus was alive, his brothers didn't believe in him. And it says that in John chapter 7, verse 5. Let me just read it to you. For even his brothers did not believe in him. And this was early in the ministry of Jesus. They didn't believe in him the claims that he was making until the death and the resurrection. Then they became believers because when that happened and they saw all the things that happened, they saw the scriptures that were fulfilled, the Old Testament prophecies, and they started to think about, you know what? 
as we examine and think back in our history, you know, I never saw him once be angry. I never saw him once strike something in anger. I never saw him talk back to mom and dad. Mary and Joseph never saw him do a wrong thing. So now, when these two men who have given their life for this one who claims to be the son of God, I would say we better listen to them, right? We better listen because if Jesus is who he said he is, we owe him our whole lives, 100%. Not 30%, but 100% because of what he has done. Does that encourage your heart? It encourages me because these aren't just outside witnesses. These are people who grew up with them. And you know what? I thank the Lord that he put this in the scripture for us, that he had authors like James and Jude and John, who was a cousin of Jesus, the Apostle John, John the Baptist, another cousin of Jesus. All of these men died for their faith in Christ. And they would know better than anyone else whether he was the real deal or whether he was just some maniac. Amen? So be encouraged that the, the Bible you hold in your hand is not just a bunch of stories. It drives me crazy when I hear people talk about the Bible, even Jonah. Oh, that's a cute children's story. Well, Jesus didn't think it was just a children's story. He spoke of Jonah. He spoke of Job as real people because they really were. These were real events that happened in history. It's not just some made-up story to sound to make the kids laugh and in Sunday school. These are real things. Be encouraged in your faith in that. Hold it. Because everything around you is trying to strip you of that truth, of that, that witness in your heart that you can count on Christ. You can count on his word. The psalm says, I have put my word above all my name, God says. He's put his word above all his name. And if his name is Jehovah, and he puts this above, and he's also put Jesus above, right? He's exalted him. But the word of God, he has put above all his name. Can you trust it then? I think we can. Let's look at it. James. It says, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, if I were James, I would have started off, I'm the Lord's brother. I'm the Lord's half-brother, so you'd better listen. But James, already at this time, we know that he was part of the council, the very first council they had in Jerusalem. You can read about it in Acts chapter 15. And James becomes, after the resurrection of Jesus, he becomes radically saved, and eventually he becomes the head of the church in Jerusalem. And so he was very well known by this time, so he didn't need to give some kind of other title to himself to make you believe. He said, James, a bondservant, a doulos. A doulos is one of those people, and you've heard this so much, but it's so touching. A slave in a household back at those times. It wasn't a bad thing. If I had a debt to pay and I couldn't pay you, I'd work for you. And if I didn't have any, any I didn't have anything. And after I paid off my debt, if I was like, you know what, you've treated me so nice and you've treated me and my family so well, I don't want to leave. I want to continue doing what I'm doing. They would take you to the, the doorpost and they would run an awl or a, a metal thing through your ear. And that would be significant because you're basically saying, I'm going to be a doulos. I'm going to be a servant for life. And that's really what James is calling himself. He's saying, I grew up with Jesus. I didn't believe him in the beginning, but now I will give my life for him. And as, as, he, as they threw him off the temple, and as he was writhing there in pain, and that club came down on his head, he had every opportunity to say, you know what, I take it back. 
He's not really who he says he was. I was just trying to start some religious movement. No, he gladly took the club because he's like, I can't deny it. You look at the color blue, it's blue. Unless you're colorblind, right? You look at the color blue of my wife's shirt or David's shirt, you look at those, those are blue. I can't deny it, they're blue. You can tell me that they're red, but I'm telling you they're blue. So that's what James says. And notice, here we have two-thirds of the Trinity right here in the very beginning. To God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And who is it going to? To the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. All those believers in Jerusalem at the day of Pentecost. As they became saved, they became enemies of Rome. And now they are scattered, running for their lives. The persecution is heating up. Heating up. Verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And we're going to stop there. You know, when you think of counting it all joy when you fall into various trials. Um, Those are a a putting, uh, when you fall into a trial, that's a putting to proof. A trial is a putting to proof. When you go through a trial, you're being put to the proof. The idea is very simple. You've heard this again. Of metals, when they are being tried or being purified, they're put in an oven and they're heated up. And our lives are like that too. God sees these things in our, in our lives and he allows trials to come into our lives, not to destroy us, but rather to purify We know that we've been purified by the blood of Christ once and for all, but there's a daily walk that we have. And that daily walk is sanctification, and that takes time. And in that time, there are difficulties. And God sees to it that our faith is shown, it's put on display, it's, it's proved. Not so that he can know it. God knows all things. He knows your heart. But I need to know, Lord, where do I really stand? And I really don't know where I stand until I'm put through a trial. And then I realize what I'm made of, where the stuff that's in me that he has placed. I find out really where I walk. Have you ever boasted about something? Somebody would say something like, oh, if I was there, I would do this. You know, If I was there, I would have done something different. You know, And you get this attitude. And the fact of the matter is, when you get into that situation, you may be surprised at how you respond. And I found myself that way too. So we really don't know ourselves. We like to think that we got all the bravado and all the you know, American stick-to-itiveness, but... The Lord has a way of revealing that to us. He knows already, but we need to know. Why? So that we see the weakness. We see our character. And what does that do? It produces patience and endurance. And it calls us, it it forces us really to cry out to him. Lord, I need you. I cannot do this alone. I cannot do it. And I love it when he says, count it all joy. That really sounds kind of twisted, doesn't it? Lost my job, man. Praise the Lord. You know, I've been diagnosed with some disease. I got three weeks. Praise the Lord. We can actually praise the Lord, but he's not really talking about that because that's kind of (laughs) weird. When you go through something like that, it's very difficult. But really what it's speaking of is a calm delight, a calm delight. When you go through trials, there's a calm delight knowing that you are not alone. And when you go through a trial, it is tangible evidence that we are one with Christ in his suffering. 
If you remember in Acts chapter 5, verse 40 and 41, the disciples were rounded up one day after, a, after the temple, and they were, they were taken into prison, and, and they were beaten, and then they were let go by the Pharisees. But I love what it says in Acts chapter 5, verse 40. Let me just read it to you. And it says, And they agreed with him, and when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And so he departed. So they departed from the council, the disciples did, from the presence of the council. And here it is, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Suffering shame for the, the sake of Jesus. You know, it's easy for me to, to claim to be a believer but I have to go through things to prove that. And that's what it is. A trial is a proof. And sometimes there are proofs, there are things that God orchestrates himself. He orchestrates those things. He allows those things in your life, not to hurt you, but to refine you. And yet there are other things that happen that are the result of our sin. God chastens those whom he loves, and we may call when we are chastened, we may call that a trial, and it's probably just chastening. We've done something wrong, and God is going to root it out of us, and we are hurting, and we're saying, oh, this is the worst trial. Well, he's just chastening you because he loves you, right? You ever been chastened by the Lord? We're all shaking our head. We all have. It's because you're children of God. You're not some illegitimate child. You are adopted into the family of God. That's why. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, it says this. Paul, speaking to Timothy, says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It's just part of it. It's part and parcel for being a Christian. And we become one with Christ in his sufferings. And it's never easy, is it? It's never easy. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, you can just write this down, Verse 7, he says, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet, indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Savior, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith that I may know him, notice this, this is prayer, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So Paul was very familiar with this sort of thing. And don't be discouraged too, because you're, we've said this before, you're either in a trial, about to go into a trial, or you're coming out of a trial, and they're, they're just part of, of the deal. In 1 Peter chapter 4, and verse 12, Peter says this to the believers. He says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer, as a busybody in some other, other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. 
And I love that because if, you, if you're suffering because you've done wrong, you've got it coming. But suffering for the name of Christ is a whole different matter. And you know, when we get to heaven and we see him face to face, you know, there are crowns that are going to be giving out, that, that Jesus is going to give out. It may not seem like a big deal to us now, but the rewards that we know of in the Bema Seat judgment, as, as, as it's referred to, the judgment seat for Christians, not for salvation, but when we are there and we will be rewarded for those things, the things that you have suffered for the name of Christ. And they're going to mean a whole lot bigger of a deal. They're going to be that bigger of a deal to you then. But right now, for some reason, because we see through a glass darkly, we don't really measure those things that perhaps the way we ought to. So give thought to that as you go through different, different things. And it's hard. You know, but Jesus wants to be with you in those trials, just as he was Daniel in the lion's den, just as he was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the, in the fiery flame. Jesus was with them, and he will be with you. But be with him, abide in him, as John exhorts us. Abide in him, and he will abide in you. How do you abide in someone that you don't spend time with? Get that priority right. I need to do that too, because I'm just as distracted as you are, and I have to fight it with everything I got. And James and Peter are telling us to be careful. But in verse 3, he says, Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, And really what that is, is a steadfast endurance. Steadfast endurance. It also enlarges us. You know, when you you are stretched beyond what you think you can handle. Have you ever been in a situation or something in your life where you feel like, man, I'm barely hanging on? Perhaps a death of a loved one. It could be a, a lost job. It could be health issues. Whatever it is, just whatever. And you just feel like you're brought right to the end, and you're like, God, I can't do any more. Maybe you're caring for a parent, and that parent is really difficult. And now in their twilight years, you're taking care of them, and you're sitting there thinking, I cannot clean another thing. I cannot do another thing. I'm at my wit's end. Those are the times that we need to rely on the Lord, and he enlarges us. I, I liken it to a rubber band. Have you ever taken a, one of those big, thick rubber bands, and you stretch it? And it seems like it's, you know, and you stretch it as far as you can, and you hold it there right before it breaks, and then you let it go, and you keep doing it. You stretch that rubber band, and you keep doing that. You do that enough, and you know what happens to that rubber band? It starts to lose its elasticity. All of a sudden, instead of being so rigid, now it's a little more pliable a little more liquid, a little more flexible, right? And think about what God is doing to us in all these trials, difficult things. You're a rubber band. Congratulations. (laughs) I'm looking out to a bunch of rubber bands. And I'm one too. He's stretching me. And he's stretching me so that when I get to the breaking point, I'm about ready to fall off the cliff. He goes, okay, it's enough for now. And then another week, another two weeks, another month goes by. He stretches me a little further. And I'm like, Lord, I can't go any farther. But it's a little farther than where he took me before. And all of a sudden, I'm realizing, God, you've got this. You've been with me before. You're going to be with me now. You bring me right to the edge where I'm just about ready to lose my mind. And God, you stretch me. And you stretch me. And I can't take it anymore. And then, are we surprised? Some years go by. Things happen. Something devastating happens. 
And instead of freaking out, running around like a chicken with its head cut off, you're like, okay. You're just peaced out. You've got peace in the middle of the storm, right? When you see a Christian like that, you know that God has stretched them. He has done this right here. He has given them patience. This testing of your faith, it produces patience, a steadfast endurance. He's given it so that you can endure. It's like a, a school. It's a school. He's training us. He has to do it. Boy, is it painful. Don't be discouraged when you're stretched like that and thinking that God doesn't care. He doesn't love you. Lord, why would you allow this to happen to me? I can't understand it. I'm, I'm doing it so that you can have a steadfast endurance because days are coming that are going to be much harder than this. And if those days happen and I didn't prepare you, you would break. Your faith would be washed up. But God says, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm going to stretch you. You're going to feel like wanting to give up, but I will not fail you. Do you know that about the Lord? He will not fail you. You will fail but he will never fail. Isn't that what he says? To me, that's the hope. That's the thing that holds us together. You know, like I said before, and sometimes we may perceive, uh, we may think of, uh, we, we have a trial, but it's really just chastening. You know, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Now, granted, there are trials within and trials without. And God allows certain things to, to make it to mature us, to strengthen us. And sometimes we're just not doing the right things, and he has to bring correction. And that's what we're talking about here in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 3 through 11. Let's just read it together because it's really encouraging to me because you may be thinking to yourself, well, I'm going through a, a real difficulty, and it, you think of it as a trial, but it's really just the Lord chastening you. So he says, For consider him, verse 3, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. He says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. And he's quoting here from Proverbs. The chastening of the Lord. Nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father doesn't chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who have corrected us, and we have paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. And I think we can relate to verse 11. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but it's painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained or exercised by it. Isn't it true that after the trial, remember as a child when you did something wrong and your mother or your father got a belt or a switch after you or whatever it was, or a spoon, a wood spoon, uh, whatever it was, they took it after you, and the terror was there before the actual execution of it, you know. But afterwards, there was this wonderful peace. Justice has been meted out. Now I can crawl back into the the arms of my dad or my mom, and they love me, right? That's the way the Lord is. But he doesn't do it just, just to punish you. He, he, he's, it's all about learning. God, we are all in the school of the Holy Spirit. What, 
What university did you graduate from? HGU. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of James. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio or sanctuary messages in MP3 format, free of charge, from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcasts. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until this same time tomorrow, This has been Truth in Christ.